Welcome back to Fasten Like Nails, brought to you by Lamplighter Ministries, a broadcast that brings hope and invites insight on the topics of marriage, parenting, character development, and career excellence. Let's listen in. It's interesting, the Fenelon, in his book, Education of a Child, which I think is one of the greatest parenting books I've ever come across, was written 400 years ago. He said, don't respond to a child in his first emotion or in your first emotion. If you respond to a child in your first emotion, he'll see that you're governed by mood and impatience. Don't respond to a child in his first emotion, for his heart will not be in a state to profit from your correction, but rather correct your faults and let that serve as a model for him to correct his own. That's real wisdom. In response, reciprocal response in a child's life or in a spouse's life, when we, don't, when we have been the, on the other end of being provoked, then their response may be power, revenge, attention, or inadequacy. Um, these are four typical responses of foolishness in children and in spouses. One, we might want to have a power struggle with somebody. And number two, it may be we want to get back at them. When there's divorce in a family, it's very typical for teenage children wanting revenge. And what you must do in that case, you must affirm that child they have every right to be upset. Every right. Unless you do that, you're, you're going to force them to continue to be vengeful because you've got to eventually let them see that all in all, God is allowing these things to take place in our lives so that we might learn to truly trust Him to become more like Him. Sometimes children just want attention, you know. They, there's an insecurity, and so they just keep, they keep acting in a certain way just to get attention. I had a little girl in school. She kept coming up for spankings every day. And come to find out, you want to know what I did after I spanked her? I cried and I hugged her, and I read a Bible verse, and I prayed with her and sent her back to her room. Elementary girl. Come to find out, years later, her mother had been abusing her, and she wanted to come and get spanked so that she would get the hug after she was spanked. Isn't that amazing? Um, children who have some, some type of physical defect or, are, or, or emotional defect or mental defect, um, these type of children may also act in certain ways just because of this inadequacy. And what you have to do in th- these cases, you have to just be consistent every time, cons- consistent and make a big deal out of, of little successes in their lives. But I want to focus on revenge here because this is what Jonah wants. Jonah wants revenge. And I find this typical in marriages. And when you can't have revenge, when you really can't do anything about it, guess what happens? It leads to depression. Leads to anger and then depression. So what do you do when you're in that state? You rise up to flee from the presence of the Lord. That's what Jonah did. And it's interesting, if you look at this, there's a nice chiastic structure. From the presence of the Lord, he went down, he went down from the presence of the Lord. It's, a, it's, it's kind of framed with this, this beauty of when you go from the presence of the Lord, there's only one place to go, and that's down. That's where we go. So what does God have to do? He's hurled a great wind. Not just a wind, but a great wind. And there was a great storm on the sea so that the ship was about to break up. This is what God will do in our lives. When we resist what God has assigned us to do, has God assigned you in a difficult relationship? Has God assigned you a difficult child? Whatever your assignment is with God, has God assigned you a difficult neighbor, a difficult boss? Whatever your assignment is with God, how do you respond to his assignment? And if you don't respond and you don't willingly submit to what he's trying to teach you, then he's going to hurl some things at you. 
Resistance is designed by God. In the day of prosperity, rejoice. In the day of adversity, consider God has appointed both. So what do we do in the, in the day of adversity? Well, let's see what Jonah did. Did you know that the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God? It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Guess what my Jonathan did? Every time I did this, he got angrier. Every time I did this, Jonathan submitted to my authority. 100% of the time. Why didn't I use this more often? Because I wanted to be in control. And because I wasn't conformed into the image of Christ yet. So what did he do? The men rode, tried to get away from the storm because they didn't want to throw Jonah over. And then the men cried out to God. This is a cool statement here. The men cried out to God. This is what God is trying to teach Jonah to do. When you're in situations that are out of your control, there's only one place to go, and that's to the throne of grace crying out to God. That's what Jonah has not yet learned. You need to jot down Psalm 34. Three times I cried out to the Lord, and he's heard me and delivered me out of all my fears. And the Lord appointed a great fish. Then Jonah prayed. It's not until God had to bring him down to the lowest parts of his life. And sometimes that's where God's got to get us. I've heard so many testimonies where people have to go all the way down to the bottom before they'll really get it. Okay, God, I'm not going to resist you anymore. You don't have to go down to the bottom to pray. You can do it right today. You can do it. You don't have to go down to the bottom. And the Lord said, I want you to go to Nineveh now, after he got spit up on shore by this fish, and I want you to go to Nineveh and preach. And Jonah cried out. He's finally getting it. Now notice what the king of Babylon does, or the king of Nineveh does. Isn't this interesting? This is over in that part of the world where our soldiers are right now, right? Could you imagine a revival taking place there? It could happen. It happened in this day. One man that went and preached, and the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast, and there was a decree proclaimed and published by the king himself. And the nobles saying, let neither man nor beast Herd nor flock, taste anything. Why are the animals? Why can't the animals eat and drink? It's crazy, you know? Why inflict them? Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Do you know how itchy sackcloth is? Do you know how much, if there's 120,000 people in the city, do you know how many animals must be there? My guesstimate is around at least a million maybe a quarter million. There's got to be so many animals in this part of the world at this time. You you look at all the different kinds of animals, flocks, um, herds, beasts, you know, we're talking all animals. And they've got to put sackcloth on these animals and then, so you're talking people having to sew this stuff on. Um, This is a lot of sackcloth. This is a lot of animals. And notice what it says here. And let them be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Not just the people cry mightily. Remember what the men did when they were rowing the boat? They cried out to God. Remember what Jonah finally did when he got spit up on the land by the fish? He cried out to God. And now what, is he, now what are the animals doing and the people in Nineveh? They're crying out to God. What's that got to do with anything? And God saw their works that he turned, they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he said he would do unto them and he did it not. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. You see, Jonah may have cried out to God, and Jonah may have prayed, but he wasn't really changed on the inside. He's ticked. You know, it's interesting when when, uh, you've gone through 
hell in your life in a relationship and you surrender to God and the other person doesn't admit wrong and all of a sudden they get blessed and they go on in their life like nothing's ever wrong and they, they kind of even are thankful that you've changed and they still don't accept any personal responsibility for their part in the situation. How do you feel about that? That's the real test of how God is working in our life. You know, I was reading this morning in the book of Timothy, you know, it says, if God will give them knowledge of repentance to come to the truth, we've got to leave that thing in God's hands. Vengeance belongs to God, not to us. And we shouldn't even be thinking of vengeance. We need to be thinking of how, how can we encourage this person to grow in their life in Christ? And he prayed unto the Lord. Good, that's good. I love this prayer. This is one of the greatest, most real prayers in the Bible. I knew you were a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger. You know, this is, it, look at the contrast. Jonah's very angry and he says to God, and you're slow to anger. And, I, and Jonah's like, and I can't stand it. And of great kindness, and you would change your mind of the evil you would do to these wicked people. Therefore, take my life. Is this a cool prayer? I, I love this prayer. It's, it's so real. It's like, God, you, you, you went ahead and did it anyways. You know, I, I go and preach to these people and look, and they all get saved. Can you imagine pastoring a church? Wouldn't this be cool? What are you people doing down here forward getting saved? Get out of here, you know? I don't want anyone getting saved today. Unrighteous anger is rooted solely in the preservation of self-centeredness and perceived rights. It's the impulsive response of the experience of being deprived of what we think is due us. That's what we're looking for. It's about our idolatry. Deprivation of desires can lead to a host of inner turmoil, such as anger, depression, other physical illnesses. I know because I experienced it. I, I'm a living testimony of, what, of the destruction that anger can do in a person's life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. There is a biblical definition of depression. Not able to obtain not able to get what you think you need in life, not able to change that other person because he doesn't meet my needs. I know a man in North Carolina, lovely man. First time I met this family, I'm telling you, I thought like, wow, here is a family that's got it made. They are the most wonderful, beautiful family I've ever met in my life. I stayed with them. He wrote me a letter when I got back home. And the letter said this. He said, uh, two years ago, I was in jail for beating up my wife. He said, because I had such an angry temper because um, I, I hated her so much. He said, and there I found myself in jail this night for beating up my wife. He said, and, um, he said, and in jail, I started to realize what a wicked person I really was and that it was all about me. He said, when I came back out, he says, my wife had a restraining order on me. He said, I couldn't even go back home. He said, we were part of a, a healthy church. I teach Bible study. And there I was in jail. You know, it made me think of, it says like, and God hurled the great wind so that the ship was destroyed. And that's what God had to do in this man. Today, they have an incredible family because God had to deal with this man's hard issues of his anger. But we don't have to go to the bottom. We don't have to be at the bottom. The more we feel deprived, the more we exert pressure until our felt needs are met. Um, I, I'm so good at this. 
the more pressure we exert, the more we drive a wedge between ourselves and those we love. If you get into this pattern of, of forcing other people to change so that you can feel good about yourself, that's what happens in marriage. We get to that point where unless this person changes, I'm, I'm, I, can't, I can't enjoy my life. God's not called you to be happy. He's called you to be holy. You know, happiness will come, but holiness has to come first. Whenever our perceived rights have been violated, we either have a fight or flight response. That's what Jonah did. First thing he did is he, he fled. Next thing he's doing, he's, he's going to fight. But when you're in a position where you can't really fight, what do you do? When you can't really change people, you can't change God, what happens? This is what happens. And the Lord God says, do you have good reason to be angry, Jonah? And the Lord prepared a gourd to give Jonah protection from the sun. And God said to Jonah, do you have good reason to be angry about the gourd? This is the second time God asked him the question, do you have good reason to be angry? Third time, actually. And he said, I have good reason to be angry. Isn't this something, we get in a situation in in marriage or parenting, and uh, you're upset, and uh, someone says, do you really have good reason to be angry? I you better believe I have good reason, you know, and we're talking. If you're angry, that's evidence that the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit of God is not in you at that moment, unless it's anger for the purpose of stopping sin. God has given us that natural ability, you know, to stop sin, to restore righteousness. That's different. Or to protect a loved one. That, that's anger that needs to be, that's adrenaline anger. That needs to be. God gets angry at those types of things. Do you you have good reason to be angry? And he says, yes, I have good reason to be angry and I'd rather be dead. That's how angry I am. Selfishness leads to anger. Prolonged anger leads to depression. Depression removes hope. The lack of hope makes one ashamed, setting the stage for a life filled with self-centeredness, self-injury, or violent behavior. That's what it does. It needs to be nipped in the bud. How does it be nipped in the bud? You just surrender. You say, God, I, I can't. I don't know what's going on, Lord. You've got to change my heart. I can't do this myself. Change me, oh God. Um, and God will change you. If you pray that honest prayer, God, I don't want to be like this. I want to be an instrument in the hands of a mighty God. I want to be a fit vessel for your use. I know that I cannot see the sin that's really within me, Lord, so you're going to have to deal with me. And Lord, whatever it takes, change me into your likeness. Now, if you're not prepared to die, don't pray that prayer because that's what it might take. Um, if you're not prepared to have relationships really unravel, don't pray that prayer because that's what might, might happen. But the fruit of that prayer will be incredible. God will use you, and that's what I want in my life. God prepared the waves, the wind, the whale, the worm, even the wonderful shade from the weather. God prepared resistance and blessing for Jonah to help him see the needs of his own heart. It's interesting. This guy got ahead of revival. There was a revival that took place. 120,000 people got saved. God changed the hearts of men in the ship, the men and women, (coughs) and the children of Nineveh. And also, and last, should I not spare that great city Nineveh where are six score thousand people that can't discern between their right hand and their left hand? And the book of Jonah ends, God says, and also much cattle. Why? Why does it end like this, just this, this kind of like, eh, there's got to be more. Is another chapter here? What's going on here? What are the animals doing? You've got to be 15, 16 years old and younger to answer this question. 
What are the animals doing right now? What, have, what has happened to the animals? Come on, you guys can think of it. Okay, you can be 90 years old and younger. <laughs> what, what, what's happened to the animals? What? They haven't been fed yet, nor, wa nor any water. What else do they have on them? Sackcloth. Sackcloth. Okay, I don't know how many days have gone by without them eating or drinking. Does anyone have a pet here? You guys have a pet? Anyone not fed their pet for a couple days? Yeah, if... if my dog, i got a yellow lab. If I don't feed my dog at 9 o'clock by 9 o'clock at night, my neighbors will call the police on me, okay? Because he'll bark. He will not let me go to bed. He'll bark the whole time. And it's a, it's a consistent, every three-second bark. Picture a million of those animals, okay? In Nineveh, a million, maybe a quarter million animals. 100,000, who cares how many? More than two, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of noise. A lot of animals making a lot of noise that haven't eat, eaten or drunk anything, and they've got this itchy stuff all over them, okay? A lot of noise, right? Barking, oink, oink, mmm, you know, the whole nine yards, goats, cows, the cows would probably be the loudest, mmm, that's a pretty good one, wasn't it? <laughs> Picture all this stuff that's going on. And Jonah is sitting up on the hill, pouting that he didn't get his way. And he hears all this noise. And he's not getting the message. God is giving him a message that Jonah, even the animals are crying out to me. And all you're doing sitting there is pouting. The book of Jonah ends with animals because he's trying to teach us that when God has called you to do something difficult, and you don't know what to do, there's only one thing to do, and that's to cry out to God. Just cry out to God as loud as you can, and don't go anywhere else until God speaks to your heart of what you're supposed to do. Don't do anything until God shows you what you're supposed to do, and I promise you, He will. It is the very second beatitude. The first one is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And the second one is blessed are those who cry. It's the second level beatitude, but it's an important step to take. And when we cry out to God, God will hear us. Thank you for tuning in to Fastened Like Nails. Our mission as a nonprofit is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. Your prayers are essential and your gifts are tax-deductible. Visit lamplighter.net slash podcast to listen to other episodes. Until next time, God bless. I assure you, I'm a bachelor through and through. I am not stubborn. I'm independent. I need no one. It's a story of an unlikely union. I, Una Cartere, take Lee Cuthbert Grayson to be my lawfully wedded husband. Riddled with hidden secrets and mystery. Una is not here. She's known as the Witch of Paran Cove. <laughs> it's not safe. It's a secret worth living and dying for. They'll kill us. We are. Must I report everything to you? Is that the law of our marriage? I hope it's to be the heart 
of our marriage. Lamplighter Theatre presents The Treasure of the Secret Cove. It often does take the darkest times to see the brightest light. Two are better than one. Order your copy today at lamplighter.net. Lamplighter.net.